This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Greetings and welcome to another installment of the show. I've got an outstanding interview subject to share with you. Well, interview subject is putting it lightly. It's a conversation. It's a conversation between myself and Zach Wild. This is my second conversation with the guitar maestro and he was even better the second time around, I must say. I enjoy talking to the man as you will be able to pick up throughout this chat. Now the catalyst though, is the launch of another album under the Black Label Society banner. This one is called Doom Crew Inc. and it's out right now. Before we get to the chat, I have selected a tune. For your listening pleasure, if you are listening via the podcast, it's called Set You Free. We'll get to that soon. If you're listening and tuning in via YouTube, we'll cut to the conversation. Either way, let's go.
What is shaking, my brother? <laughs> brother Wild, it's what good to speak to you on, again. Man? Mate, thanks for thanks for doing this. So, uh, you know, I know you you uh, you have a fairly hectic schedule in terms of recording and talking to people, mate. But uh, look, I love my brother John Howarth, and uh, that ex- that extends to you too, mate. I've been listening oh, yeah. to you Father for John rocks, man. For sure. Indeed. How's the how's the calls or the Zoomers, as we've got to call them these days? How have they been going in support of this album? I know, great, man. You know, we're talking about the record, and you know, having like that. So it's it's all good, without a doubt. You yeah, know, black label Pilates, you know, things like that. So it's it's very good. So it's all good. You haven't been indulging in any anal bleaching lately, have you? What's that, my brother? You haven't been indulging in any anal bleaching lately? Um, all the time. I mean, what do you mean? I mean, <laughs> that's a that's a constant around here. <laughs> Last time we had a chat, you mentioned that, and it, it, yeah, it, it was a line that I used for a few uh, for a few interviews afterwards. So I thought I'd mention it again. But yeah, no, well, well, no one's listening to the music. Sex sells, man. I mean, you know, we know why they're coming to see the show. And you that's are it. you we are. You got to remain sexy at all times. And you are one sexy brother. Let me tell you. That's why I keep going away. He's not. That's why I got to keep her heavily sedated and in the basement. So you know, she and she seems to be happy. So it's all it's all good. Mate, just a quickie before we continue. How's COVID restrictions in your part of the world? What's up, brother? How's the COVID restrictions in your part of the world over um, there? Well, I mean, we just did. We just did the. Uh, what did we do? We did uh, forty-four shows, and I think. 50 some odd days so it's like forearm one off forearm one off and we were just blazing through it but uh Mm. no the tour was great so you know nobody no covid no nobody got sick no uh no hiccups man so i mean it was great Mm. you know the you know seeing all the meet and greets seeing the rest of our black label almighty black label family and everything like that so all the chapters and everything it was great so i mean uh yeah the tour went great there was no uh no covid you know didn't get in the way of anything. So it was great. Yep. Yep. Hopefully it's like that here from now on. Yeah, totally, yeah. man. I agree. I mean, you yeah. know, I mean, you don't want anybody getting sick. You don't want people dying. You don't want, you know, nobody wants that. So, but, uh, you know, I mean, hopefully, you know, it, it just seems like everything's starting to get more and more. It's starting to get back to normal. So, I mean, we're scheduled to go over to Europe, I guess, in about five months from now. So hopefully that'll happen. And, you know, obviously getting ready for Australia, New Zealand, Asia, you know, the, the rest of the world. So it'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'd love to see you, mate, especially on the strength of this album. It's, it's hard to know where to start with you, Zach, just with everything that you've done with your career uh, leading up to this album here, Doom Crew Inc. But I've got to ask, I mean, at this stage of your career, do you feel like you've got anything left to prove? I mean, this is another killer album here. You just keep on bringing it. Um. Well, no, I mean, you know, I didn't do anything different on this one than I did on any of the previous records. I mean, it's just kind of like, uh, you know, I mean, to me, I look at like every record, like if it was sports, the, you know, the upcoming season, you know what I mean? Regardless whether whether we won the championship, yeah. whether we came that close, or we had, an, uh, you know, a 500 season or it was just a disaster. I mean, you know what I mean? So you just look at every season like, you know, it's a brand new season and like the the hope of how awesome it's going to be and how, you know, and having a good time. So um, that's where I've always approached it. Mm. So, you know, I mean, it's always exciting going and I think if you ask any any band or any, you know, whether it's Neil Young and he's been doing it forever or Ozzy or, you know, 
I mean, when Robert Plant goes in the studio and makes another solo record, I'm sure for him, it's just as exciting as when, when he was making all those amazing Zeppelin records. So, you know, the same thing with Ozzy, when they were making all the amazing Sabbath records and when he goes in the studio, it should, it's the, it's the whole thing of seeing it all come to life, you know, taking the germ of an idea and just building it. And then it just like building a house and then it, and then it just takes on a life of its own. It's great. You are a refactory though. And, um, to keep on conjuring unique and original riffs that are memorable, that's something else. Do you, do you attribute, I know Van Halen talked about for a few of you, you know, a few of you, you great guitarists, that creative muse lies just beyond consciousness, just somewhere over there. And someone like yourself is, is obviously tapped into that, but dear ideas, there's no point asking you where they come from, but, when you're working through ideas and the like, when do you know you've hit upon a riff that you think is rolled gold and worthy of an album? Um, well, no, I mean, usually, I mean, like you said, it could, it could, usually it's like the first thing when you pick up the guitar, I remember Jimmy Page saying the thing, you know, like he said, the magic goes for him. He just said the first thing when he picked up a guitar, you know, like in the morning or whatever, he'd pick it up and then like whatever ideas started coming out, you know, just cause it's fresh and it's brand new again all the time. But I mean, it's just, uh, it really is quite amazing. But um, no, I think, you know, I, I think all the music everyone, everyone creates, I mean, it's just a, it really is a reflection of everything that you digest. You know what I mean? Whether it's the stones, like how Keith Richards would always say, everything he plays, you know, cause he's, he loves Chuck Berry so much and it's in his DNA. You know, like all the Stone songs, like, you know, Keith could tell you exactly where everything's coming from. Oh, I got that from a Chuck Berry song. That came from like, it was on Chuck's second album. I got this idea for Gimme Shelter. Then I got this idea. You know what I mean? And it's just like, if he didn't tell us that, we wouldn't know, we wouldn't ever put it together. You know what I mean? He just goes, oh yeah, that 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 idea inspired me to do that. And it's just like, if you didn't tell me that, I would have never got that. Because it doesn't sound anything like what you're telling me you got the idea from. You know what I mean? But it's just like, uh, yeah, I think, you know, it's just where, wherever you get inspired, you know, I mean, you could, you could hear something like knocking on heaven's door and then you're like, Zach, it'd be great if we had something like that. So, you know, something super basic, just three chords or whatever. And then you end up writing free fall. Mm. You know what I mean? It has nothing to do. If you didn't tell me you got inspired by listening to knocking on heaven's door, I would have never put, put that together until you told me you were like, yeah, Zach, I got the, I, you know, it, I just turned it around and I just eventually wrote free fall. And I go, yeah, but it sounds nothing like knocking on heaven's door. He goes, yeah, but the, that was the, that was the spark that's that, you know, lit the fire and German that idea. So I, I think a lot of inspiration comes from that as well. And, you know, all the music that you love and you listen to, it just always inspires you. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Talking about music that you listen to inspiring you, I think uh, you've further embraced the twin guitar technique with brother Dario on this album here, which is just a joy to listen to because it's, it sounds like um, it's an evolution rather than a purposeful strategy on your part. Um, it sounds like as though it comes from this love that you've got of bands like Lizzie and Priest. So I'm going to flip the question around a little bit and ask you, have you met Scott Gorham? Do you know him well? Uh, oh, Scott. Yeah, we met Scott I, when we did when we toured with Priest. Thin Lizzy uh, was on the bill. It was black. It was, uh, you know, it was it was black label Thin Lizzy and Judas Priest were on the bill. So, uh, mm. yeah, it was and Scott's super cool. Great guy. And, you know, just it was awesome, you know, seeing watching the guys kill it every night. So. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, 
you know, when you hear, you know, like, like the obviously Thin Lizzy, the Allman Brothers, Priest, you know, when they make it. So you need two guitar players in the band, you know what I mean? Whether you're doing harmonies or unison lines and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I approached the record, you know, like when I was writing it more, more like that. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. the songs got to be the songs, you know, it's just a, I wasn't thinking like writing two guitar parts when I'm writing the song. I mean, obviously, like, like you said, everything starts with the riff. I mean, it, it all comes down to the riff and that, that, that pretty much dictates the direction of what the song's going to go. And, you know, whether you write a riff like, you know, Richie Blackmore wrote Smoke on the Water, that yeah. riff is just one of the greatest riffs of all time. So, I mean, the whole thing is it's just like everything just falls into place after that. And then, you know, and then so a melody comes up and then you, for me, it's always then the lyrics are last. I mean, that's the way I end up yeah. writing. But uh, yeah, but putting Dario on it, definitely just more of an evolution. I was just like, yeah, it'd be cool. Uh, Dario, when we'll, we'll trade solos, then we could do harmony lines and unison lines and everything like that. So uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun writing it. For sure. How, how does it work with brother or father Dario? Do you guys, you got, I mean, does he live near you? Is it one of those situations where you can sort of get together on a porch with a, with a coffee or what have you, and you can sit there and just trade licks or how do you guys exchange ideas? Well, no, I mean, obviously everything on that record that you hear is uh, all the guitar parts I recorded before the guys even came out here before JD mm-hmm. came out and before Jeff came out to play drums. So when the guys get, came out to the Vatican, you know, everything was already recorded. So all they had to do was just listen to it. And, you know, whether it was set you free or anything like that, they would just listen, you know, hear the intro and then nah, 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 nah. they hear the rip and they go, oh, you know, Jeff's like, well, we're all coming in right here. I go, yep, this is where we're coming in. And he goes, all right, well, what's this part right here? I go, this is the pre-chorus. This will be the chorus. And then we'll go back to the riff again. And this will be the solo. You know, he'll just listen to the arrangement. And Jeff will go, all right, play air drums do it a couple of times. Go play it one more time. And then play air drums. And he's like, all right, let me go on the track it. And Jeff goes in and just records the drums. Just, you know, takes him two takes or whatever until he's happy. He's just like, no, I'm, I'm, that's cool. Let me fix this bit or whatever. You know, we'll put another drum fill over here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and it's just that much. It's just painless because obviously the, the songs are all there. You know, I mean, it's just like building a house. You know, once you get a great drum track and everything like that, but everything's already recorded. So, I mean, the whole thing is. All Jeff has to do is just listen to it and just go, all right, let me let me go knock it out. And then mm-hmm. JD works his magic. He puts his bass on it. Then the fellas go home. And then I, you know, I have something to start. Now I got to start putting lyrics and vocals on it. So, and then I knock that out. And then solos are always last. You know, because then I, I mean, the solo is kind of like the frame of the thing. So this way you can, you can digest the whole song and see what mood it puts you in and then, then write a solo to what, what you're hearing, what kind yes. of solo you want to put. Yeah, I love your soloing, by the way. Uh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, I, I'm, look, I'm an old school Aussie fan. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I started with Jake, got into you afterwards. And uh, your soloing, you're just one of those guys who naturally has a method of, when, when you don't even need to know that you're playing the guitar to know that it's you playing a solo. And that's it's that horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it stinks. It's the smell. <laughs> it just starts coming from the speakers and you go, what's the matter? They go, that must be Zach playing. You can tell what the vibrato. No, not the phrasing. either. 
just the actual stench in the room now. <laughs> it's it's true, true. I'll pay that. But I remember seeing you. Know, JD always goes without a doubt. <laughs> I'll never forget seeing you on Aussie's first ever Australian solo tour, nineteen ninety eight. Cast your mind back to that, and the, me. I'm a musician, right? So as much as I love Oz, you know, there's who was in the band back then? It was Mike and Ayers. It was the classic Aussie lineup in the '90s. So it was yourself, Mike. Yeah, when we were down in Australia, it was uh, me, uh, Randy, John Randy. Sinclair, and Mikey. Yeah, it was the, it was the No More Tears lineup. Yeah, totally. Correct. That was yeah. a lot of fun, man. Man, there were so many. So you could actually buy your T-shirt. In the in the merch stand as well, so a bunch of us bought your t-shirt as well. So <laughs> <laughs> repping you or repping you, but it was it was 1998. Going back to that era, that was metal's lowest commercial ebb by far. 1997 to about 1999, you know, and seeing you smack bang in the middle of that, and seeing other people around me who had an appreciation for guitar soloing. Because remember, solos were a dirty word back then, except for except for bands like Ozzy and what you were doing stuff with Aussie and what you were doing. But so many of us were just so enthusiastic. And I think, I don't know whether it was just in Australia here or, or what have you, but seeing seeing you come down and just riffing and soloing the way you were, I like to think that that played a role in kicking off a love by the fans for heavy metal again. Did you feel that way a little bit back then? Did it I feel mean, like I mean, it was definitely fun, you know, when we all went down there. I remember, you know, it was a blast. I mean, because, you know, it was it was the No More Tears band. So, you know, we'd all gone and done. Mike was playing with Alice. Randy was doing some other things. I don't, I don't know if Randy was playing with Motley yet either. But uh, hmm. Ram was doing his thing. I had done the Pride and Glory thing. And it was right when I first started uh, the Book of Shadows. And I had just started, I think, maybe Black Label. Well, yeah. right about there because it was '98, but uh, yeah. but yeah, no, but it was it was just great seeing everybody, and it was it was fun playing again. So yeah, it was it was a blast, man, for sure. Mm. Hey, are you still playing your Gibson Les Paul custom model guitars? What's that, bud? Are you still playing the Gibson Les Paul customs? Is that the? No, I've been playing my my Wild Audios for a while now. You know, for oh, probably, you been. sorry, that's yeah, right. Probably yeah. about six years now, seven yeah. almost six seven years, something like that. So how, how I, got, you, I still have all my West Balls and all my Gibsons. They're just retired now, but I still got oh, yeah. Yeah. Grail and everything. Yep. Have you still got the original Les Paul? You know the one. You know the the circle on it, the black and yeah, white circle on it. You still got that? Yep. Of course, still got it. <laughs> Without a doubt. Have you Have you had many? You know those billionaire collectors that might be a Sabbath or an Aussie fan. Have you had many of them reach out to you and offer you some cash for that? Well, I just hold on to them. I mean, you know, if you ever, if you never needed money and you had to, you know, you take care of your family, you know what I mean? That, that's what you use for emergency break glass and, you know, use it yeah. then. But yeah, but obviously it's just, those are retired for my, for my kids, man. You know, totally. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Hey, how, how do you choose which guitar to match with which song and even which parts inside a song? Um. Well, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, certain guitars have different sounds, but I mean, you know, with my wild audio things, I mean, the, the craftsmanship that they put into things, you know, just like kind of with my Gibsons, my, the, with the custom shop ones, with the, the USA stuff, where I use my Epiphones. I mean, the, the quality on them was always crushing, always. I never picked up one where I was like, oh, this is bad, ever. Just the consistency was awesome. So, I mean, the same things carried over pretty much with all the wild audio stuff, but... uh 
No, I, you know, it's just different, different sounds will give you different things. Obviously, a single coil pickup and double, you know, humbuckers and P90s and yeah. pickups are always because pickup is, is basically the microphone of the guitar, you know, so that's always going to give you a, a different, different tonality, you know, so, but, uh, no, you know, I mean, and which is awesome. I mean, because it's just like using crayons. You know, if you if you're hearing a different color, you just use a different type of pickup. You know, so that's it. Yeah, yeah. You you were fairly well known there for using the EMG eighty ones and eighty fives. There, do you still do you still sort of go back to them occasionally? Well, no, I still. Well, I mean, for me, I mean, I still use all my EMGs. You know, the eighty ones and eighty fives, the uh, Zach Wild models. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, because I mean, they just the clarity on them is so clear. That's that's the reason why I love them, especially when you're playing this this style of music, where it's super distorted. You want to hear the the clarity of all the notes. So that's the reason why I use them. Hmm. Hey, I'm going to uh, change uh, track again. I meant to ask this a little bit earlier, but lyrical themes. Um, I don't, you don't get asked that a lot, certainly from the interviews that I've tuned into. But lyrical themes, are they important to you, lyrical themes, or are they something that you just sort of, you've got to do because you've obviously got to have, well, in this instance here, because you're a singer, you've got to have some vocals. But do you, do you focus on any lyrical th- lyrical themes and ideas in particular? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, it's got to be things that interest you, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, anything that I take, take an interest in, whether, you know, I mean, it could be things that have happened to me, things that have happened to people I know, and then... Uh, you know, or just, you know, uh, people or I read an autobiography. I mean, like, you know, when I, yeah. when I wrote the lyrics for Crazy Horse, I remember reading a Wikipedia thing just on Crazy Horse because a bunch of my buddies were all talking about, like, who is the, you know, my one buddy's Native American Indian. So we were just talking about, like, who is the, you know, out of all the, the Indian warriors and the chiefs and everything like that, whether it was Sitting Bull, Geronimo, Crazy Horse, you know, like who's the baddest ass of all of them or whatever, you know, just talking about that. But uh, I remember just reading a Wikipedia on Crazy Horse one day and I ended up writing a song about it. So, you know, it's just things that you take interest in. And then, you know, because like I said, I always write the lyrics last. So whatever, whatever inspires me or what I want to think I want to write it about, then I'll write it about, you know, so... Mm. Which is crazy because a lot of times, like people will go, "Oh, Zach, you know, I, I, me and my wife got married to that song or this and that." And you know, it's just like, mm. and I just think to myself, they only knew what I wrote that song about, you know. But that's a beautiful thing about <laughs> lyrics, is yeah. however those lyrics are speaking to you, then it's your song. You know what I mean? Yeah, if it affects you that way, then that that's awesome. That's that's the beautiful thing about music. What's what's the oddest thing a fan has said to you? Um, uh, I can't believe JD's still in a band with you. Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah back you- in the day, it was, are you guys out of beer? Yeah, that was another one. You know, that was probably a pretty odd one, you know, back yeah. in the, back in the berserking days. It, Cause we were never out of beer ever. So, you know, that would be an odd question. If someone said, are you guys out of beer? It's like, no, don't ever say that. And you can leave and don't ever come back. Yeah, geez, yeah. Hey, tell me about playing with Mike Borden because I thought you guys had a superb partnership. Uh, yeah, Mike's awesome. Actually, I just uh, someone just uh, one of my buddies, Walter. He was just like, "Yeah, Mike, you said hi." I said, "I'll tell send Mike my love." But uh, no, Mike. Last time I saw Mike, he was over at Ozzy's seventieth birthday party. Hmm. I saw Mike over there, but Mike's awesome. Love father Mike, amazing drummer and just an amazing guy. Awesome. 
he's very different uh, to Randy, isn't he? Um, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I, actually, it's it's awesome because I mean, all the drummers I played with, all the all the great musicians I play with. I mean, it's like literally their personality is in their playing. It really is. I mean, that's the but you know, but that's the true mark of a great musician. You know, like because you know, their their personalities actually in their playing. So, uh, which mm-hmm. is awesome. You know, I mean, that's that's what you. I, I guess at the end of the day, that's what you everybody strives for. You know, so. But of all the music, I mean, I could tell whenever I'm playing with all the drummers I've played with throughout the years, they're all amazing. They just and they all have their own personalities and they have their own thing about them, their own sound. You know, so whether they're playing, they they could all play four four. They could play back and black each one of them, and it'll all sound different. It's yeah. like a cheeseburger. You know, you got McDonald's, you got Burger King, you got In and Out, you got Wendy's, you got you know uh, Jack in the Box. I mean, every. Whataburger, every every burger joint, White Castle, it's a cheeseburger. How different can it be? But they're all different. You know what I mean? It's the truth. I hope I can ask this question, uh, brother, but uh, can you remember the last conversation you had with Randy? Randy Castillo, that is. Um, yeah, I remember I remember we saw him at the OzFest. Oz Rand came down. And I think, you know, it was after he had surgery and everything. So we thought he was, we thought he was going to be fine. So, you know, I mean, it was like, oh, awesome. You know, we were just happy you got the surgery done with and everything like that. And, you know, with the cancer and everything like that. So, I mean, we were all obviously positive in hopes that he was going to be fine. So, uh, yeah, but Randy was awesome, man, for sure. Once again, another one, just an amazing drummer, but an amazing guy. Just super cool. Just awesome. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. There's a there's a partnership that I wish happened with your, between, between yourself and a bassist, Steve DiGiorgio from Death. You probably heard of him. And I understand he was in the frame at some point in time to potentially join Ozzy's band. He's an ex, he's a magnificent bass player. So first of all, have you heard of him and have you heard of his playing? And if you have, man, I'd love for you guys to be able to get together sometime in the near future. Wait, who, who are you talking about? Steve DiGiorgio from Death and uh, Satis. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't know him out. What band is he playing? Well, he was in Death, you know, Chuck Schuldiner and Death. Oh, okay. Okay, these right. days he's, he's in Testament these days. Oh, okay, awesome. Yeah, de- very, very de- fretless bass player. Uh, but I think you guys would just, uh, you, you look dissimilar. And, oh, uh, very cool, man. And it's, his playing is just otherworldly. And I think as, as, a, as a guitarist, you guys are just would be two parts of this insane riff factory that fans, I think, would love to hear. So to please check it out. Oh, I'd, I'd cool, love it man. if you guys can do something. You know, so, mate, I've, I've got a couple. Actually, I'll do a time check. How much more time have I got? What time, my brother? How much more time have I got with you? I'll just Let's do a see. time check. Uh, 11, well, we got a couple more minutes. So it's 11.26, 11.30. we got four minutes, bro. Four minutes. Gosh, so many questions. All right. All right, no worries. One more then. How how important do you think Michael Beanhorn was to making Osmosis happen? And what are your memories of working with Michael? Oh, I love Mike, man. Mike's Mike's awesome. So uh, you know, I have a I have a junior, a fifty-eight junior, actually Les Paul ended up signing it, but uh Mike got me as a gift when we were working on that record. But uh no, working on Osmosis, I had a blast working on that one. We were in Paris, we worked on it for a little while. We did uh the drums over there with Dean. And then after that, we went to yeah. New York City and we were tracking there. It was 
it was amazing. Had an awesome time. So, uh, no, and then working with Mike was great. I mean, we had a blast with the, doing all the guitars and everything like that, you know, using, uh, you know, what obviously with my Gibsons, then using Dan Electros on, on like C on the other side, you know, for the clean bits, the real glassy bits and everything like yeah. that. Just, you know, just doing all the guitar work. And it was, we had a lot of fun, man, for sure. Sweet. Mike's great. Mike Actually, never we, did another, time, we did yeah. a Black Label album together too. We did... Uh, Oh, is that right? And, um, yeah, we worked with with Mike on uh, when we did our uh, shot the hell. Okay, there you go. Yeah, mate, never enough time. As I say, um, thanks for making the music that you've made. It is meaningful. You know, I mean, people going through COVID lockdowns, isolation, even beyond that, marriage breakdowns. Um, you know depression this sort of stuff i think your music has been very meaningful for people over the years mate as it continues to be so thank you for doing what you're doing and just please keep on doing it cheers my brother well hopefully we'll be down there before you know it you know absolutely yeah. mate well i'll be in the crowd go out there and have some coffee with father john and hang out and have a good time man <laughs> that's it mate that's it well thanks so much Bye, for the brother. chat brother yeah it's awesome Bye, down, man. great talking to you brother no worries at all have a great one eh? thanks Stay very strong, much again. brother take care bud cheers catch ya Yep, that about sums it up. Never enough time. There were so many more questions I would love to ask. The great man just there, Zach Wilde from Black Label Society, Pride and Glory, Ozzy Osbourne, and God knows how many guest spots he's done. What a fella. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. Go across to my website, scarsandguitars.com, where you can find many more interviews similar to that one. Maybe not just like that one, because that was a fucking ripper but similar. I've also got a book coming out. The launch date is the 20th of February 2022. I will have a pre-order up there on the website if books in an autobiographical sense about the podcast, my podcast, are of interest to you. I will have a bit of a biography posted by the time this goes to air. So do check that out. Hit me up. I'm easily found on socials as well. I love having a bit of banter with fans of rock music. Something else, I'm participating in a bit of a chat fest with Bald Headed Metal on YouTube. Check out that as well. I won't put the links in there because you guys are smart. You know what to bloody do. I don't know why people, you know, these things are implied, aren't they? You don't have to put subscribe here and click this to go there. You guys are smart. Bald Headed Metal type it into YouTube's search field and you'll go to a page that features some chats between myself and Joseph all the way over there in New York City. We talk about all sorts of shit to do with rock and heavy metal. Well, that's it. Again, my name's Andrew McKay-Smith and you've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series. Until next time, it is a very goodbye for now. <laughs>